Thank you for listening to this sermon from Arapahoe Road Baptist Church. We hope you enjoy the teaching of our special guest from this past weekend. For more information about our church and its ministries, please visit arapahoroad.org. And now, here's the sermon from this past weekend. It's a new year filled with new unknowns. We're coming off yet another season of uncertainty. A year, if we're honest, filled lots of us with fear. We've allowed our eyes to drift and wander. So God, as we head into this year, fill our eyes with wonder. May we focus on the things that you care about, not on our shoelaces. Remind us of Hebrews 13:6. The Lord is my helper. I will not fear. What can man do to me? So with Jesus interceding for us, what can come against us? When his joy comes new every morning, what is left for sadness to claim? If nothing can separate us from your love, then what room does hatred have to take hold? When you make known to us the path of life, how can we ever lose our way? If you uphold us with your righteous right hand, how can we be afraid of falling? God, we commit to lay our plans at your feet once again, for you know the plans you have for us. So as we go into this new year, we will focus on you, God, because what can man or our careers, our schools, our families, our thoughts, our doubts, our fears, our insecurities. What can any of these things do to us? Nothing, because our trust, our faith, and our hope are in you, God. Let me hear you, good morning, church. It is great to see you. Good morning, friends. Good morning to those who may be joining us online today. Happy New Year to you. Happy New Year. Uh, thank you for your faithfulness to join together uh, in worship this morning, even with this cold, cold weather. I have to admit, I kind of love this cold weather. It reminds me of where I grew up. Show of hands, who likes the cold? Okay, more than I expected. So... Uh, some like the cold, some prefer the warm, but uh, what a great way to start out the new year just by being in worship together, whether you're here in the room or whether you're joining us online. And aren't you glad that we have a fresh, clean start to a new year? I know some of y'all, if you're like my family, you stayed up till midnight on New Year's Eve so you could ring in 2022, but I think a lot of people probably stayed up until midnight on New Year's Eve so that you could make sure that 2021 left, right? Is that true for anybody? 2021 was a challenging year, was it not? A difficult year. And sometimes there's something good and healthy about a new start, a new beginning, a clean slate. If you think there's something good about a new start, say yes. In a few moments, you're gonna be able to see a video from our elders, sharing a word of encouragement to you for the new year, talking about how God has been leading their hearts recently. I had the opportunity to see those thoughts in that video ahead of time, and just let me begin this morning by saying that I just so appreciate the wisdom of the men who are going to be sharing with us during this hour. I'm really, really proud of our elders. I'm proud to call each of them a personal friend, and I'm proud of the way that they and their families have been so faithful these past years to make sure that to the best of their ability to do so that our church is always a church that is doing our best to follow God's will. And after watching their comments about how the Lord has been leading them lately, I'm finding myself feeling encouraged by their words to us and I hope you will be as well. I'm finding myself feeling challenged by their insights from Scripture, and I hope you will as well. And I find myself feeling a great sense 
of peace from their outlook about the days that lie ahead of us in 2022. And I hope you will as well. These voices from these men that you're going to hear this morning are the group of men who primarily have been tasked with setting the strategic direction for Arapaho Road. And I love that we have a group of voices to speak into something that important, don't you? I love that these voices are from individuals across multiple generations who clearly have a heart for looking not to themselves for that direction for our church, but instead looking to find it in God's Word. And you know, that's part of why I have come to really love the days that our elders have the opportunity to share with us as a church family. I love these days because we get to learn how God is speaking to each one of them, not only as a leader in our church, but also just as a follower of Jesus who's trying to hear what God is saying to them about what to do next in their life, in their own walk, in their own families, in this church, in response to different things in the world around us today, tomorrow, this coming year, and even strategically with us, with what we need to do now to position this church to continue to be a body of believers that seeks to fulfill God's will. Even generations from now when the torches have been passed and every one of us isn't here anymore. And another reason I love these days that our elders get to share with us because these days are excellent reminders to each one of us that God doesn't just speak to our pastor. God doesn't just speak to our pastoral staff. The reality is God speaks to and leads every one of us who's willing to humble ourselves and have a mind that is open to learn from His Word and to have a heart that is open to be led by His Holy Spirit and to have a faith that is willing to lay down our lens of how we personally view the world and perhaps even how we personally view this church. All so that we can collectively get a word from the Lord that isn't blemished with our own prejudice and our own preconceptions about how we think things ought to be done. And I think as we're willing to do these things, that God will be faithful to speak and to lead us. And it's so important that we're seeking God's voice during these days in the life of our church. And I'll tell you why. I want you to hear this. We are undeniably coming out of a tough season. And for eight years, the majority headline for our church has had a serious impact on our ability to fulfill the Great Commission effectively. But here's why it's so important that we're actively seeking God's voice during these days. The reason is because I do not believe the season we are coming out of will be the season that defines this body of believers. I want to let that opinion hang in the air for a minute. And for those of you who are sitting there thinking I'm wrong, let me just repeat it so you can hear it again. I do not believe that the season that we are walking out of as a church will be the season that ultimately defines this body of believers. Now, I'll come back to that in just a moment. But let me share with something personal with you. Many of you know <clears throat> about an undeniably tough season in my own life. In August of 2002, I had traveled from Texas to Virginia to see my family before my second year of seminary classes was to begin soon. It was a hot summer, the hottest on record in Virginia in a, in a generation, I believe. 89 straight days without one drop of rain. Everything everywhere was a complete tinderbox. And on the night before I was to fly back to Texas, my family woke up in the middle of an inferno. Our whole two-story house was on fire. I first woke up to the sounds of my parents screaming for their lives, 
running toward our rooms, yelling at us to get out of the house, get out of the house. And at first, when I was being startled awake, trying to wake up, and the adrenaline was, was pumping through, I thought that their screams were somebody had broken into the house and they were fighting. But as I opened my bedroom door to go out and help them, I was immediately met with the flames and the smoke. I'll spare you the details of that morning. But it took four different fire departments to work together to put the fire out. And the Lord spared all of our lives that night. We had just enough seconds to escape in whatever we were sleeping in, most of us sleeping in our underwear, to take nothing with us. Every material possession we had was a total loss. And in the days following the fire, in an effort to return to something normal, something that I could control, I flew back to Texas and tried to restart a new semester of classes. What I didn't fully realize at the time was that in the days, weeks, and months following the fire, I was not okay in any sense of the word. The trauma and the disruption that this event caused was catastrophic in almost every area of my life. It would later be explained to me that in the aftermath of this event, I was experiencing acute PTSD. I was unable to focus on school or studying at all. I dropped out of all of my classes except for one that semester. I fell into a deep depression. My body, though, continued to be on a high alert, especially at nighttime, so much so that I was physically unable to sleep after dark from August until almost Christmas that year. I would be up all night every night completely exhausted but unable to rest or to sleep because the fight or flight response was stuck in the on position internally. When I would try to sleep during the daytime, I would often wake up having nightmares. A lack of sleep led to isolation and more depression as I struggled to find a way to process these events with all the people around me who just didn't understand what it was like to live through them. I think it's fair to say that this event cratered my whole life. It cratered my whole plan for what I thought my track was through seminary. It cratered my ability to engage with the Lord. It cratered my spiritual life. It cratered my ability to carry out the Great Commission. It cratered my faith in ways that I didn't even understand. But as the months passed, I found a new rhythm. As a new year began, I started to sleep at nighttime again. I registered for more classes and I found some new ways to deal with that ever-present trauma that was always there. And then the next August rolled around and my body remembered, which is very common with any kind of trauma which led again to insomnia and to more nightmares and to more isolation. And again, eventually, though, I was able to find a new rhythm. And so for the next 10 years after the fire, I would repeat that cycle every August, sleeping little to none at all throughout the month of August, and always trying to find a way to hide that pain and not let it be something that defined me. But the reality is that for a lot of years, this awful event had indeed become the defining topic about who I was and what I would always be. I find myself talking about it in most conversations. Frankly, it was what was on my mind. I found myself explaining different media reports about it, clarifying what was reported incorrectly. I found it to be a cloud that just hung over me and my family. But you know what I learned? I learned that the more that I would be willing to invite God into my pain, the more that He took that ash in my life and began to build something that would be glorifying and honoring to Him. I learned that now 20 years later, 
This event that I one day would have sworn to you would have defined me forever because of how badly it had completely wrecked my life during those 10 years. That that event had become less of a definition of who I am and a lot more of a testimony in my life about what God can do with hurt and pain and brokenness. I can honestly tell you today that it does not have power over me anymore. It no longer brings me pain to talk about it, to think about it. And people anymore don't really associate that event with me like they did when they saw me walking through it and they observed the pain and the consequences. Now it's just a scar. It's just part of my story. And in a similar fashion, I just do not believe that the season that Arapahoe Road is coming out of will be the season that defines this body of believers, although it may be tempting to believe that right now. I do know how hard it's been. I do know how traumatic it's been. I do know how destructive it's been. I know it's been painful that you've had friends leave. I know it's been painful to listen to the gossip. I do know how much sometimes we and sometimes others think that this is the definition of who we are now. But church family, I also know what happens when we don't lose hope after a long season of trauma. I also know what happens when God is invited into brokenness and when God is invited into our pain and into our hurt that we think is too big for anybody to fix. I also know that if we will continue to follow the Lord, that He will be faithful to one day make these past eight years one of the greatest testimonies about who He is. Church, we're nearing the end of a really significant chapter of ministry at this church that has seen hundreds, if not thousands, of baptisms over those past 45 years through ministries and missions of Arapahoe Road. Countless families have been impacted for eternity, for the better, here in Garland and even in the communities around the world that we've gone on mission to visit. And I love that one of our founding members, who you'll hear from in a moment, that has been here since 1976, will acknowledge in his own words that while there have been ups and downs, there's, there's been more ups than downs. What a great perspective for us to remember during these uncertain days. We're at the beginning of a brand new year. Church family, if you have found yourself swallowed up and just consumed like a cloud over you about the past years here, or if you have found yourself swallowed up by some pain in your personal life, a loss that you have sustained personally, I want to encourage you to do something really radical today. For the people who aren't in pain, this is not going to sound very radical to them. But for the people who are sitting here and listening who are in pain, this may just sound radical to you. I want to encourage you to give yourself permission to hope and believe that this hard chapter will one day not be a definition of this body, that the pain and the loss that you have been through will one day not be a definition of you as an individual, but rather it will be one day one of your greatest testimonies. Don't you ever forget that you were defined by Jesus Christ and His sacrifice for you. You were not defined by your sin or anyone else's sin against this body. That is not what defines you.
I need to speak about something to encourage you this year. I want to encourage you to take advantage of the new year. I want to encourage you to leverage this new year to re-engage with the Lord in ways that you might not have in a long time. To use this new year as an excuse to begin to believe again that God's church is defined by Jesus and not what happens to you. And as you think about engaging with the Lord, consider for a moment that God speaks to us in a number of ways. And as we engage with the Lord and you're open to listen to Him speak to you, and if you're looking for it, you'll begin to hear Him speak to you. Sometimes He's going to speak to us through our pain and through our losses and through other hard circumstances and through the church family around us. That's why it's so important not to give up meeting together. That's why it's so important that if there's any way you can do it, get in the car and get here on a Sunday. You might need it or you might need to encourage somebody else. Sometimes He'll speak to us through a spouse Sometimes He'll speak to us through a friend that cares enough to tell us the truth. And sometimes, in fact, most of the time, He's going to speak to us through His Word, through the Bible. And that's my greatest encouragement to you this morning. As we head into the new year, I want to share some verses with you today from the book of Joshua. This is a moment that feels so similar to where we are right now. It's a moment where Joshua was about to take over in leading God's people forward. Why does that feel similar to us right now? Because it was the end of a long, hard season for them. This is the moment that they're about to say goodbye to a chapter together. And as we go into a new year, I want you to mentally think about saying goodbye to past hurt. Goodbye to past pain. And think about stepping forward into God's promises. This is the moment that we see that happening in the Old Testament. And Joshua is leading God's people. Moses has died at this point. The mantle of leadership has passed to him. But there's something that they're leaving behind that was very painful for them as a body to walk through. And there's something that they're about to walk into that realigns them with God's promises and the character of who God is. I'm going to read nine verses to you, but I want you to pay attention to verse number eight because verse number eight is what I encourage each of you to do as you walk into the new year. And it has to do with how you interact with God's Word. Okay? Let me read for you right at the beginning of Joshua. After the death of Moses, the servant of the Lord... The Lord said to Joshua, the son of Nun, Moses' assistant, Moses, my servant, is dead. Now therefore arise, go over this Jordan, you and all the people, into the land that I am giving them to the people of Israel. Every place that the sole of your foot will tread upon, I have given to you just as I had promised to Moses. From the wilderness and this Lebanon, as far as the great river, the river Euphrates, all the land of the Hittites to the great sea toward the going down of the sun shall be your territory. No man shall be able to stand before you all the days of your life, just as I was with Moses, so I will be with you. I will not leave you or forsake you. Be strong and courageous. Man, when we're in pain, doesn't it require us to be strong and courageous? Be strong and courageous, for you shall cause this people to inherit the land that I swore to their fathers to give them. Only be strong and very courageous, being careful to do according to all the law of Moses, my servant commanded you. Do not turn from it to the right hand or to the left, that you may have good success wherever you go. Now listen to this next verse, because this is my encouragement for you as you walk into the new year about how you should interact with God's Word where God is most likely to speak to your life. Verse 8, This book of the law shall not depart from your mouth, but you shall meditate on it day and night so that you may be careful to do according to all that is written in it. For then you will make your way prosperous 
and then you will have good success. Have I not commanded you, be strong and courageous, do not be frightened, do not be dismayed, for the Lord your God is with you wherever you go. My encouragement to you for the new year is read at least one verse in God's Word every day. Read at least one verse every day. Think about it day and night. And be careful to do what it says. That's it. Some of you, you're thinking, that's great. I already do that every day. If that's you, wonderful. Keep it up. You know the benefits of that. But for some of you, you haven't done that in a long, long time, if you're honest with yourself. And to start it now would mean that you're inviting God into some painful places in your life. If that's you, please, please, please take that verse to heart. Invite the Lord to meet you in your pain and just see what happens. Just see how He has the power and the faithfulness to bring you out of that place that you're in. And for some of you that are discouraged because it's been a hard season in your life or perhaps here, well, take heart, my friends. When Stan Dobbs, the creator of Lionheart, heard about our church's story, he got a big smile on his face and he said, fellas, God's favorite building material is ash. Make a commitment this hour to read God's Word every day. Think about it during the day. Think about it at night. Be careful to do everything it says. And just you wait and see what the next chapter for this church may be. Just you wait and see what the next chapter in your own personal life may be. Now I want to be clear. If you have pain that you're thinking about or if this place has caused you pain, the stories of those past years do not go away. But if you will be faithful to immerse yourself in God's Word, I promise you the day will come where you find that God has wiped away the pain of those years. And He's given you a platform to tell somebody else who's hurting, just look at what God did. Let me pray for us. Father, as we circle this morning, I just thank You, God, for being a faithful God. I thank You for being a God that doesn't give up on us when we go through hard things. I thank You for being the author of love and the author of hope. God, there's some in this room that are starting a new year that need hope. Lord, I pray that You would just nudge their hearts to interact with You, to follow You, to give You a shot, to give You another shot. Lord, speak to them through Your Word. Draw us near to You. Lord, we always pray for our church and we thank You for the ways that You've blessed us. We pray that You'll continue to guide us and direct us that we might do well by You and that we might make Your name great. In Jesus' name, Amen. Good morning, Arapahoe Road. My name is John. I am an elder and um, just have a few thoughts for you this morning. Um, this started back in November. started looking at Scripture and, and looking at just the world around us. Uh, we are in a time period where we're being challenged and we are being asked to view life in a more tolerant fashion. And there is a level of tolerance that is needed, but... In our day and age, we need boldness. We need to stand firm. And that's kind of where my challenge and where I want to look at. Um, as we're going, we must know Scripture so we know to, how to watch out for false prophets. I know the pastor did a wonderful series in Jude that talked about being mindful of these false prophets. But the only way that we can really know what that is is to stay in Scripture. And, you know, as we go into the Christian life, it's an ongoing battle against sin. And we don't need to be discouraged. There's going to be times of discouragement, but we don't need to dwell in that. We need to do this by, uh, combat it by continually renewing our mind. And we must continually spend time in the presence of God. That's how we can do this. We must pray and, uh, for courage and boldness 
to do the will of God, and that is clearly lined out in Scripture. And it's dangerous um, to to drive and not pay attention. I know a lot of fender benders happen whenever you're uh, distracted by what's going on around you and not focused on the road ahead. And God asks us to look forward to Him and in our situations be steadfast. So we must keep our eyes in the front, looking on Christ and not in the traffic around us. Uh, don't be confident in ourselves. Uh, be confident in Christ. Uh, we must remember to fight the good fight. Uh, endure it to the end. And we want to bless everyone and we want to encourage them to stand firm for the Lord is doing this in our lives. Uh, so the scripture that I've brought uh, is right out of Ephesians chapter 6. And most of us know the scripture about putting on the whole armor of God. And it starts in verse 10. It says, uh, Finally, be strong in the Lord and in the strength of His might. Put on the whole armor of God that you may stand, be able to stand against the schemes of the devil. We do not wrestle against flesh and blood, but against rulers, against authorities, against cosmic powers over the present darkness, against the spiritual forces of evil in heavenly places. Therefore, take up the whole armor of God that you may be able to withstand in the evil day. And having done all to stand firm, therefore, our stand, therefore, having fastened the belt of truth and having put on the breastplate of righteousness and as shoes for your feet, having put on readiness by the gospel of peace. So just in this span of four or five verses, we are talking and, and Paul is encouraging us to stand. He wants us to stand against the schemes of the evil one. He reminds us that we're not battling flesh and blood, that it's a spiritual battle. And the only way that we can be renewed in this, in our mind, in a daily basis, is picking up what God has given us, and which is his armor. And he wants us to stand in him. It's not in ourselves. It's in Christ. And may we pick up that sword of the Spirit and be shod with the shoes and the have the helmet on and the breastplate, and we stand with our brothers and sisters, and we fight by standing on our principles, which is Jesus Christ. Hi, I'm Rick Grant, and I'm an elder here at Arapahoe Road Baptist Church. And I want to challenge you today with some scripture that's very familiar. It's the Great Commission, Matthew 28, 16 through 20. Now the 11 disciples went to Galilee, to the mountain in which Jesus had directed them. And when they saw them, they worshiped him, but some doubted. And Jesus came to them and said to them, All authority in heaven and earth has been given to me. Go therefore and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all that I have commanded you. And behold, I am with you even to the end of the age. What does that mean for me personally and for us at Arapahoe Road? First, the disciples worshiped him. And regardless of our situation, our schedule, our busyness, should worship him in everything we do. Whether it's our finances, time, or talents, we should use them to worship him and give him glory. In our daily lives, we should tell others about Jesus and help disciple those who believe and want to follow Jesus. Why? Because he's been given all authority in heaven and earth. We need to follow his command in verse 19 to make disciples. The how is simply follow his word, and understand that it is accomplished not by our power, but because he's still with us through his Holy Spirit. I'm certainly being challenged about this in my, in my family's life and need to see this as a daily struggle. Can I encourage you as an individual and as a church to continue to, continue to or refocus um, on, the, on what Jesus has commanded us, to tell others about him and to disciple those that choose to follow him. So I'm Kendrick Baker, for those of you who may not know me, and I'd like to share on a passage from 1 Timothy, which is a letter that Paul had written to a young man who was helping him in a church at Ephesus, uh, someone he had kind of taken under his wing, and uh, he was dealing with some issues there, uh, in particular with some false teaching and 
just frankly talking about things that didn't matter a lot and, uh, instead of things that were important. And so uh, Paul addresses this and other things. And in 1 Timothy 1.5, he says, uh, but the goal of our instruction is love from a pure heart, a good conscience, and a sincere faith. And those are all things that really we can't have without Jesus because he's the source of all that. And uh, for instance, uh, our heart, it says in Acts that Jesus is, cleanses our hearts by faith. And that's something that is good because without that, we wouldn't be able to love from the heart. The heart is where our uh, decisions are made to either honor God and love him or to reject and defy him. And so to be able to love from the heart Really, we can't do that without Jesus giving us that heart to love from. And uh, also a good conscience, it says in Hebrews, <clears throat> excuse me, that uh, our conscience is cleansed by the blood of Christ. Uh, cleansed, he cleanses our conscience from dead works to serve a living God. And so, again, it's something that our conscience is only clean because Jesus has washed it for us. And our faith, uh, Hebrews says that the author and, perfect of our, author and perfecter of our faith is Jesus. And so uh, it's really his story being written in us. And so in all these different ways, we're seeing that really this is uh, Jesus's job in us to do these things. And yet it's interesting that his plan also involves other people uh, to love uh, each other from our heart. Uh, it says in uh, Hebrews that we're to consider how to stimulate one another to love and good deeds, not forsaking the assembly as is the habit of some, but encouraging one another. And so we see that while we can't cause each other to love and we can't change each other's hearts like Jesus does. We can help each other and encourage one another to, to become who Jesus has designed us to be. And also uh, it says that we're not supposed to wound someone's conscience who's weak. It says it in 1 Corinthians 8, talking about how we can help each other and not uh, cause someone with a weak conscience to do things that they're not really doing in faith and like eating the food sacrificed to idols in that particular case. Um, it talks about how uh, our faith can be encouraged in one another. Faith is, we can think of it as believing that what God says is true. And it's also something that goes beyond that, though, in believing it to a point where you act on that belief. And so when we're, when we're around people who are acting out of their faith, acting in that belief, it encourages our faith. And Paul says as much when he talks in Romans, uh, talking about wanting to go see them, how he longs to see them so that they can encourage one another's faith. And so uh, it's, it's helpful to, to be around people and to be able to see their faith in action and then see your faith in action. So as I think on these things, uh, what strikes me is that Jesus wants to do a work in my life and, and he's wanting to make me, to mature me into the person that he's designed me to be. And part of that plan involves using other people to help me get there. And so it, it's also, the flip side of that is Jesus is wanting to do a work in other people's lives and he's wanting to use me in that, in that uh, life. And he's wanting to use me to help that person become who that person's supposed to be. So that's encouraging to me. It's also challenging, uh, challenges me to uh, be diligent and, and consider how I, how I can help other people's lives like that and, and how to let other people help me like that. But um, it is encouraging and challenging for me, and uh, perhaps it is for you as well. Well, good morning, uh, church family. My name is uh, Edwin Underwood. No, not everybody knows me as Edwin, but that's my real name. My uh, nickname is Pete, and that's what I go by mainly. And a lot of people just know me as uh, Nelva's husband. That, that works too. Uh, just uh, for information, uh, Nelva and I... Uh, I've been uh, charter members of uh, Woodhaven Baptist Church back in 1976 when we moved up from Houston area. And uh, it's a little charter kind of church. And uh, if you don't know the whole history, uh, Woodhaven Baptist Church finally became Arapahoe Road Baptist Church. And we raised our kids here. And uh, it's been a great experience. Our kids, Lee, Libby, and Les, it's been a great experience. And uh, we found out what really what God can do and how how uh, wonderful a God he is all during that time. We've had lots and lots of good memories. And uh, as most of you know, uh, we've had some ups and downs in the church, but I'd like to uh, just testify to you that the, uh, uh, we've had more, way more ups than we've had downs. And uh, it's been really neat. I'd like to read for you in Isaiah chapter 40, verses 28 through 31. 
in Isaiah, it says, Have you not known, have you not heard? The Lord is the everlasting God, the creator of the ends of the earth. He does not faint or grow weary. His understanding is unsearchable. He gives power to the faint and to him who has no might. He increases strength. Even youths shall faint and be weary, and young men shall fall exhausted. And this is the best part, 31. But they who wait for the Lord shall renew their strength. They shall mount up with wings like eagles. They shall run and not be weary. They shall walk and not faint. Now in this scripture, there's a little footnote in my Bible I'd like to read to you because it kind of sums it up. It says, God never suffers setbacks and he helps those who do. And uh, right now, you know, in our church, we're a little bit uh, unsure of what we're going to do after we sell the building. But uh, one of the things we can be very sure of is that God will lead us and his will will be done. Again, looking at verse 31, but those who wait for the Lord, and that's what we're doing, we're waiting for the Lord, shall renew their strength. They shall mount up with wings like eagles. They shall run and not be weary. They shall walk and not faint. Um, Meanwhile, what do we do? You know, we're waiting, waiting, waiting. Well, what we should be doing, in our opinion, is that we should be continue functioning as the bride of Christ. We should be praying, studying our Bible, reaching out to others, helping our, the uh, less fortunate. And we should, uh, again, working as the bride, working as the true bride of Christ. And he will lead, as he says. He will read, lead, and he will give us strength to follow through. I'm Tom King, an elder here at Arapahoe Road Baptist Church, and today I want to share with you some things that have uh, been with me for a long time. A matter of fact, I'm 70 years old, so they've been with me well over 35 years. What it had to do with was when I was a young man working for a company, I was determining what I needed to do to be successful. And the one thing that I came across is if I was going to be successful, it was going to have to be with God's hand, not mine. And I'd have to do what God directed me to do. And, and this is something that I have kept with me in my day timer. Whenever I went to call on accounts, wherever I went to call on customers, I made sure that they knew that I was a Christian man and what I stood for. But there was three things that I had. And, and I like things in three. I like the Father, the Son, and the Holy Ghost. And if it was good enough for him, it's good enough for me. So I do things in threes. The first one I said I wanted to do was be available. And available meant I was available to God to do what he wanted me to do, how he wanted me to do it, and in his time. I was available to this church. I was available to this church to teach, to be an elder, or whatever else he asked me to do that I needed to do. And I would made myself available to him and try to understand his will for that. The next one, I had to be available to my family. And that's really important. I wanted to be available to them and not be working all the time that I could be a father, I could be a husband, and I could listen to see what they had to say. The next one I had to do, according to what I looked at, was be adaptable. And we've all had to be a little adaptable here the last couple of years with deciding about going to a new church, deciding not to, deciding to start a new work, however we were going to do it. We needed to be adaptable to change and adaptable to what God wanted us to do. The next thing, I had to be adaptable to how others think. I couldn't just be my way all the time. Now, if you sat in some meetings with me, the other people might disagree with that, but I had to be adaptable to how others think. I had to be adaptable to the new generations that came along. My son is a millennial, and, and he told me one time, I said, I just find it hard to try to teach people your age and he said that's your problem you don't take the time to understand who we are so I had to be adaptable to that that didn't mean that I had to have a watered-down gospel it just means that I had to listen the next one was accountability first and foremost I had to be accountable to God for my availability and for my adaptability and for my actions I had to be accountable to him not only in my church but my business life and that's what I had to do I had to be, and then none of us like to be held accountable. We don't like to be held accountable to each other. We don't like to be held accountable. It's not a fun thing to do. 
But we do, and, and I expect this church to hold me accountable. I expect my family to hold me accountable, and I expect the pastor to hold me accountable. I expect my life group to hold me accountable, and I expect my family to hold me accountable. And that's what it's about. It's about being accountable to God for your actions and what he'd have you do and not what I want to do. Those three things guided me, and I thought, okay, God, these are the three things I've come up with for my church life and also my business life. Now, I will do what I need to do according to what you want me to do. And I can tell you, and I don't like saying this, but did this make me successful? Yes, I was very successful. I, I was more successful with the company I was with for 32 years than I'd ever dreamed. And I believe that God let that happen because I let him have all the glory for anything that I ever did. Now, one verse I want to read to you. So then each of us shall give account of himself to God. And I believe that. And I think that's why I came up with these three things, and I live by them. Like I said, they were in my daytimer, and I used them all the time. Thank you for your time. I appreciate it. Hey, would you help me to thank our elders for sharing with us from their hearts this morning? Man, thank you to each one of you. Uh, I, I'm, I'm so appreciative to each of you. Uh, George said it well as he began that, that time. Uh, just so grateful, so thankful, so appreciative of each one uh, of our elders, what you mean to me personally, what you mean to this church, what I know you mean to your families. And speaking of your families, thank you to each of our elders' spouses. Uh, when, when you've got an elder living in your house, Man, there's a different weight of responsibility. Uh, there's some, some late meetings. There's some, some heaviness. Uh, there's things that, that can't, uh, can't always be put into words in that moment, but you can just sense it when they walk through the door. It's because they're carrying a heavy, a heavy weight there. And, and to, to the kids uh, of, of our elders, thank you for sharing your dads. Um, so, so appreciative. And, uh, and God sees and God knows, and God blesses that kind of walk, that kind of responsibility. And uh, none of our elders are, are, are perfect, certainly including myself, but there's an availability that's there, and that means so much to the Lord, so thank you. Um, I really do believe that each one of our elders are men who are trying to walk with God, trying to follow Jesus. I mean, you know, the, the, the magnitude of trying to put a life on a headstone at the end of our days, that's a, that's a pretty weighty thing. <laughs> what, what's going to be that catchphrase there uh, that's going to go on, on a headstone? You know, certainly your name, <laughs> certainly the, the, the date that person was born, the little dash, and then the date that that person dies. But sometimes there's a a phrase, a descriptor. And uh, when, when I think about what might be a great phrase for these men, it's actually a phrase that is mentioned in the book of Genesis. If you have your Bible, I want to show you just a couple of places in Genesis chapter 5, and then we'll move quickly over to uh, preparing our hearts for the Lord's Supper and then responding with song. But in, the, in, uh, in chapter 5, Genesis chapter 5, it's talking about the descendants of Noah. And, and people lived a long time back then. God's kind of shortened the lifespan since uh, Genesis days. But it talks in verse 21 about a man named Enoch. Look what it says in verse 21 and following. It says, when Enoch had lived 65 years, he fathered Methuselah. Enoch walked with God. Underline that phrase, walked with God. After he fathered Methuselah 300 years and had other sons and daughters. Verse 23, thus all the days of Enoch were 365 years. Look at verse 24. Enoch walked with God and he was not for God took him. Enoch walked with God. There it is again. Would you underline that verse? Such a powerful, powerful descriptor. 
Enoch walked with God. And when I think about these men, I think about people who are trying to walk with God. And when I think about your life, and I think about this new year, would you think about what it might look like for you to walk with God? I've shared with you before that when I was just starting to own my faith and to try to be somebody that was more than just a a Sunday morning Christian, I sat down with a mentor of mine, Dudley Callison, at a Whataburger in uh, Waco, Texas, and said, I want to know what that what that means. Give me some handles. And he wrote three things down on a napkin. I've shared this with you before. He said, number one, you need to have quiet moments alone with God. Every day, quiet moments alone with God. That's what George was encouraging us to do. Just read one, at least one scripture, one verse, at least one. A quiet moment alone with God. Number two, have a, a, a continual awareness of his presence a continual awareness of God's presence, that he's with you. So we celebrated at Christmas, the God who came near, Emmanuel, God with us. A continual awareness of his presence. And then number three, a yielding obedience to his spirit. Have a yielding obedience to his spirit. In other words, our yes is always on the table. Before God ever even asks us what it is that he is leading us to, our yes is already on the table yielding obedience to his spirit. Would you consider walking with more intentionality, with more focus, with more prayer into and through 2022? It's what Jesus is calling us to. It's what Enoch did. It says, all of a sudden, God just hugged him out of existence. (laughs) He loved him so much. He just, all of a sudden, was not anymore. He never died. He just was hugged by God right into heaven. I don't know how that's going to work for me or for you, but I know that I'm going to seek him with all my heart, with all my soul, with all my mind, with all my strength, and just try to walk with him day by day by day. Thank you for listening to our podcast. Feel free to distribute this recording, but please do not sell or alter it in any way. For more information about Arapahoe Road Baptist Church, please visit our website at arapahoeroad.org. Arapahoe Road Baptist Church is located at 2256 Arapahoe Road in Garland, Texas, with Sunday morning worship service at 1045 a.m. We hope you'll join us this week.